there's really value to be added and we're adding it this thing is called the high value everyone thank you for joining us we uh really appreciate it also appreciate you appreciate you cmac thank thank you again for um joining us on this initial conversation uh here on high value i'm I just want to read a little bit about um, you, your background. A master in traditional Chinese medicine and a teacher of transcendental meditation with degrees from the U.S., China, and Canada. CMAC is the founder of and director of 2B Well Group, which is a full-service natural wellness center in Oregon. Dr. Shirazi is also a musician who uses his art to create messages that empower, inspire his listeners. Um, CMAC, thank you for joining us on this episode about meditation. This is our first check-in of the month, which is very interesting. It's uh, March 3rd today, and we're three days into our uh, episode about meditation. CMAC, thank you for joining us. You're most welcome, and thank you for inviting me. So I was curious, um, just to jump right into it. Uh, Before we jump we... right in, can I make a tiny correction about my introduction? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, of, of course, course, please. So, so I'm not a teacher of trend- transcendental meditation. I'm a practitioner of transcendental meditation, but I'm a teacher of Qigong, which is kind of a Chinese form of meditation. Okay. And how do you pronounce that one more time? So, two different ways to, to, to spell it. You pronounce it Qigong, but you can spell it with Q-I-G-O-N-G or C-H-I-G-O-N-G. Okay, got it. Thank you for that correction. We'll make sure and uh, fix that. Um, so, I think, I think starting with Transcendental Meditation, because I think that's a main expertise of yours... I'd love for you to sort of give me your definition or your approach to it. Uh, The way that I understand Transcendental Meditation is that it revolves around a mantra. And that mantra could be sometimes personalized or sometimes um, non-personalized. But it's usually a sound that's a wordless mantra. phrase it's not even a phrase it's a it's a sound usually uh from sanskrit is that correct yes that that i'm partially correct (laughs) so transcend transcendental meditation is probably the most popular form of meditation um but it's um obviously not the only form there are so many forms of meditation and they all share the common goal the goal is to quiet the mind basically is to kind of turn down this constant internal conversation that that happens within the the mind and um in the case of tm yes absolutely there is a mantra which is usually meaningless it's a sanskrit word uh, that your guru your teacher comes up with at at the time of your graduation and it's yours to keep to yourself and not to share with anyone. Uh, so it's a very private uh, mantra, private phrase, and you use it to um, kind of divert your focus from external stimulations that are 
uh, around you. So you could be meditating in, in a plane or in a restaurant or in a quiet place, doesn't really matter. By focusing, concentrating on your mantra, you uh, pretty much hone your thoughts and your mind around it. Therefore, you quiet your mind and focus it on that one central message. Right, right. I, 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 I gotcha. And so it is the reason that the mantra is kept to yourself is because it's, it is a personal thing when you're, when you're practicing transcendental meditation, that mantra is yours only. And it's sort of for you to be able to focus on that, to be able to clear your mind. Uh, yes. Uh, that's, that's probably one of the main reasons. And, and the second reason, so I have to tell you, I learned my mantra probably before you were all born. Uh, it was in early 80s uh, in, in Tehran, Iran, when I was a teenager. Um, so we are talking about um, 1980 or 81. And um, there was a center in Tehran that I went to and, and uh, I did that because I had issues with anxiety. It was a post-revolutionary time in Iran, in Tehran. Very chaotic. I was a teenager a lot of conflicts and issues and it pretty much saved my life I have to say because it was it was a dark time for a lot of me and fr my friends and, and myself um, anyway so I learned it there and the way that I was introduced to it was by a gentleman who learned it from Maharishi uh, in Switzerland and Maharishi is the, the creator of transcendental meditation and the reason that was given to me at the time was that by keeping it to yourself, you grant more power to it. And the longer you keep it to yourself, the more powerful it becomes for you. Uh, you know, and and it it gives it more meaning, basically. It it grows. It sort of grows over time. The and the and the more you use it. Interesting. And I'm curious. Um, when when you got into it, was your anxiety? Um, did you feel that it went away very quickly when you started practicing it or does it, did it take sort of a number of months to be able to realize that this technique, this method of clearing your mind, um, was working for you? In my case, uh, you're talking about days, a matter of days, really, it started helping me tremendously. Um, I was very young and receptive. Uh, I was searching. Uh, it was a time that I was reading a lot of different, um, you know, philosophies. Uh, Carlos Castaneda was a big influence in my, you know, teenage years. And, and I was looking for uh, inner peace and answers to really um, outside of the Western med medicine, uh, drugs and so on, to calm my mind and to kind of find internal peace. So it happened quite fast for me. But usually it takes a while it's a practice that you have to uh, commit to at least uh, a week or two before you can uh, start feeling the results I've, I've got a quick question here um i i know that and i'm sure you're familiar with alan watts but he uh it's a philosopher and he was famous for essentially translating a lot of Eastern and Indian practices into Western culture. And one of his, uh, I guess, insights was that a lot of the West had allowed 
things like mental stress and anxiety to uh it's pervasive in our culture and i think it's a big reason that a lot of us are searching for like you said uh answers to our health outside of medicine and i'm kind of curious if you think that's true and if that is somewhat in line with your personal experience um yes in 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 this culture in the western culture which we all live um there are many reasons to uh, stimulate what is known as sympathetic reactions or sympathetic nervous system. We are, we are constantly um, uh, kind of demanded upon to make decisions. They could be simple decisions. It could be decisions like where to park my car not to get towed or, or you know when you're driving and so on. But nevertheless we are constantly demanding these decisions from ourselves on, on a constant regular basis and especially these days with mobile devices and social media, um, multitasking, all these things. So um, in reality, um, the whole notion of taking a block of time every day and disconnect and dive inwards um, is very appealing to um, a lot of people. I, I work with a lot of patients actually in, in Portland and I teach them how to meditate. I teach them how to practice um, mindfulness or what I call mind emptiness. And it helps them tremendously with uh, stress because once you do make this a practice, it will enable you to be in touch with a part of you that is usually hidden because of all these distractions. Um, and, and when you practice any form of mindfulness, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be transcendental meditation. Honestly, it could be anything. As long as you find a practice um, that allows you to be by yourself, alone, that's the key part, away from distractions. And when I say alone, like I said, it could be in a plane, but you need to, to be able to focus and close your eyes and dive within. If you can do that, doesn't really matter what you practice. If you could do it for a few minutes every day, once or twice, after a while, you feel more grounded, you feel more stronger, more powerful, and your decisions then, your reactions to events around you come from a much more peaceful place within you. So you're less right. reactionary, less sentimental, sensational about your reactions. Does that make sense? Yes. I just have a quick follow-up question too, based off of what you just said, but, and you can tell me if you think this is a, a false equivalency, but, uh, if you were to use it, use modern medicine as an analog, I feel like once, uh, doctors find a cure to something or find a solution to an ailment, it becomes, uh, widespread and commonly known and marketed and people use it to become healthier my understanding of meditative practice is that it's literally thousands of years old, but it still seems to have some sort of a mystery or some sort of a, a blockage to people understanding it or wanting to practice it, even though it's so accessible. I'm curious if you also think that's true and, and how folks might be able to better understand what it even is and how they can use it to become healthier. Um, well, I, I think I understand your question. Or I'm going to attempt to answer it. And you tell me if, if, if I'm not answering your question, um, in general, uh, any kind of mindfulness practice, any kind of meditation, 
reinforces the idea of look within you for answers, not outside of you. Dive inside, search for answers, search for solutions within you and don't rely so much on the external world because there is actually a universe within you. And by regular practice, you keep reinforcing that idea. So let's now turn that to medicine. Uh, Western medicine, uh, the, the main uh, notion, the main concept behind what we call allopathic medicine is illness. So the medicine, I call it illness-based medicine. Not that there's anything wrong with it, it has its place, but it, the philosophy is based on illness. So, so you have a disease, you have a condition, and me as a provider, as a doctor, outside of you, come with a cure for your condition, for your disease. And this cure usually is in the form of chemicals or, or surgical intervention, usually. Um, by meditation, you gradually train yourself to trust your own inner wisdom, your own internal doctor. You, you, you know, all that Western medicine does, all the chemicals or surgical interventions, at the end, they rely on your body's healing capability to correct its imbalance, right? Um, by bypassing that, I mean, of course, if you're in a car accident or a ride motorcycles, if I'm in a motorcycle accident, I want to be in a hospital. You know, I want to be tend to in an emergency, not, not an acupuncturist uh, office, but, but in general for chronic conditions, especially for chronic illness, uh, Eastern medicine or this philosophy of, of going, diving inside and search for answers within you work, works a lot better than Western medicine because it's more meaningful, it becomes more empowering to the patient. The patient doesn't feel powerless that I have a disease and I have to go to a doctor to find the cure for my disease and I'm limited to what they offer me. You know, and um, so did I answer your question? Yes, absolutely, thank you. Yeah, I, I like that definition because uh, as it is sort of, Western medicine is sort of a reactionary medicine in that it is a, you you go and get a treatment for something and you go and get something that you already if you already have an ailment or a trauma you're reacting to that as opposed to like you said looking within because i think that i mean we've talked about this on this podcast before in a sense that in your biology in your in your kind of like dna you have this instinctual you have instincts and that's rooted in thousands and thousands of years of human history us evolutionary and growing and you can kind of i think the way in way the way i'm interpreting what you said is that you're looking within yourself to you're clearing sort of the first layer of thoughts that are coming through your mind you're clearing those out you're letting them go and you're kind of looking deeper within yourself and almost almost looking into the past a little bit uh perhaps to allow you to find whatever you need to find whatever you need to uncover about life and you know your journey ahead interesting concept looking into mm -hmm. the past yeah because um you are um creating a bridge uh you become timeless let's put it this way um once you once you're in present once you're present in the moment which is more uh zen 
Buddhism philosophy, which is another form of meditation, by the way, you know. So, so Buddhists um, or Zen Buddhism more so uh, encourages you to live in a moment, doesn't want you to think about the past or the future, be present, be in a moment. And, and the notion behind it is by doing that, you become timeless. Then time loses its relevancy. Um, so yeah, I guess by um, connecting to your body and the wisdom of your body, wisdom of ages. Uh, basically, I was just looking to my book. There is a there is a part with inside the book that references a, a poem from Rumi. You know, uh, seven hundred years ago, which talks about what we are kind of talking about. It it says that uh, dive within you and search for the universe inside of you mm -hmm. um, and and if you do that then you enable yourself with the power of the universe that is outside of you it, you know that the timeless piece is very interesting to me because i've heard of people speak of this um the perception of time changes i think when you start meditating and i think it changes not only during meditational practice but i think it changes perhaps even after and pre-meditation can you speak or have you had a uh, personal experience with even your perception of time when you're meditating after you've meditated and even before you've meditated uh yes actually that is true and and there are times that so transcendental meditation again going back to that wants you to practice two times a day 20 minutes each time. That's kind of their typical TM regiment. And um, there are times that you sit to, to meditate and it feels like two hours, <laughs> you know, that 20, you have to really, and even, even after all these years, there are times, there are days that I am like that. There are times that it, it is an effort in my part to be able to quiet my mind Fortunately, it doesn't happen very often. At the beginning, it happened more often. But um, most of the times, when I sit, it, it's like a blink of an eye or two. I just close, it, it feels that way. It feels like I close my eyes and open it, and then 20 minutes has gone by. You know, mm. so, um, yeah, it's quite amazing. And then you feel refreshed. You feel fantastic afterwards, physically. Do you feel more present in the moment after you've meditated? So say like after the first time in the day that you've meditated, do, does time seem to go by at a steadier rate or do you still have sort of the sort of like I like to call the slinky effect where time kind of speeds up and slows down a little bit throughout the day? Uh, there is a phrase that I use. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Uh, I feel more grounded. Uh, mm -hmm. So yes. I literally feel calmer, um, more, yes, I do feel more present. I do. Because I'm more sensitive to my environment, my surrounding environment, uh, it's like I have fine-tuned my senses, um, you know, and I'm more receptive. But at the same time, not in an anxious or nervous way, in a very calm manner. Um, you know, I tell my patients a lot of times, they ask me, how, do, how should I feel after acupuncture? I say, usually the best way to feel is uh, focused yet energized. You know, and that's really how uh, you should feel after a good meditation session. I'm 
curious real quick if uh, I've, I've heard from different philosophies that are somewhat or directly connected to meditation. There's this idea that a human being's natural state should be one of kind of like what you're describing. It's a bit more present, uh, perhaps uh, positive, not not that you have to be happy all the time. But what I'm saying is that there's the sense that too much anxiety and too much stress is not a natural state. And many of us operate in those states all the time, even to the extent where we don't even know how stressed we really are. I'm curious if you think that's true and if uh, the meditative practice is a way to maybe return to that natural equilibrium of, of presence. Yes, definitely. I believe so. Um, what you were describing is very typical um, on Western countries and actually, you know what, all over the planet now. Um, 40, 50 years ago, maybe it was more so for the Western countries. But now if you travel anywhere, Asia, Africa, you know, I'm originally from Iran. Uh, right now, everybody has a mobile device in cities of Iran. Everybody drives and commutes and multitasks. Yeah, so it's, it's all over the planet. And all those activities encourages a, a sympathetic nervous reaction. So uh, if you guys remember from high school biology, fight and flight reaction. You, yes. You're constantly demanding your body to be very alert as if you're being attacked by a wild, by a wild animal. Um, although you're, you're talking uh, to two people on the phone, you're safe, you're sitting in an air-conditioned car, you're chemically, you're neurologically, your body, the, the hormones that your body produces, the way your body goes through that experience, it's pretty much like you've been attacked. You're, you, you have to defend yourself. You have to you know, be agile. So the way your body uh, expends its hormones and resources is in that regard. When you meditate, and, and if you do it as a regular practice, and if you do it for a good amount of time, then even same car, same conversation, same experience, becomes a lot less agile and um, more grounded. Your reactions, you feel more empowered of your surrounding environment. Even if you get into an argument with someone else, you, are, you come to it from a much calmer perspective because you are more re um, connected to your parasympathetic nervous system to the sympathetic nervous system that is in charge of reducing your blood pressure, reducing your heart rate, calming, keeping you calm. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. I'm curious if there are other uh, chemical effects that happen when you, when you meditate uh, within your neurochemistry and even meditate over a longer period of time, uh, specifically regarding you said it, it took a few days for you to get into it when, when you started noticing effects. But I'm curious now, after so many decades of practicing meditation, do you think that there's something else going on over time that uh, allows you to get into it so quickly? Like you said, you, you kind of close your eyes and 20 minutes goes by. Um, is that or Can that be traced back to any brain chemistry at all? Absolutely. There, there's numerous studies, actually, the most famous one that I can remember now um, is a Harvard uh, medical school study about connection between high blood pressure, hypertension, and meditation, and how folks were able to reduce their blood pressure using just meditation. 
Um, and um, yes, absolutely, like any other practice, like when, when you practice yoga on regular basis, like when you run on regular basis, meditation is the same way. You get better at it. You know, you get more efficient at it. Your body um, connects with, with that part of itself much faster and more efficiently. And there is kind of a compounding uh, effect. Uh, when I teach meditation to some of my patients, and the, the style of meditation that I teach, by the way, is a combination of things that I learned from transcendental meditation, from Qigong practice, from Zen Buddhism. You know, so it, it has it touches on a, on so many different uh, teachings that I personally was involved in. Uh, I tell them to um, v- use visualization and use the power of visualization to connect to parts of their body that are, are usually unknown to us. And, and I describe it to them. And these are energy centers based on Chinese medicine philosophy. And, and sometimes if you're uh, addressing an imbalance, uh, let's say we want a, a certain um, um, you know, gland or organ to do something, I encourage, I encourage them, I teach them how to use visualization to stimulate that gland or organ. And, and to practice self-healing, which is, by the way, the most powerful form of healing uh, in Chinese medicine. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned visualization because it's something that I came across in, in researching the topic, uh, not only as a tactic, but as a... I've, I've heard of it actually being used for recovering memories um, and even affecting people's dreams at night and so since you do use visualization as part of your method have you ever experienced um either a change in your dreams or um being able to recall memories that you weren't previously able able to recall um i have heard of the concept i actually read about it but personally i have not no See, Mac, how do you use visualization in your meditation? So, um, I have, so I guess I have invented my style of meditation, right? I have written a book which is called Emotional Energy Transformation. So, the book is about how to use visualization basically uh, to, to control our, to get in touch and control our feelings and emotions better more to understand them from the energetic perspective and to be able to control them better so um, there is a concept in Chinese medicine which um, simply put every organ uh, there are five major internal organs and every one of them they have an emotional manifestation so um, starting from the chest cavity lungs, uh, heart, liver, spleen, and kidneys. Um, So they have, each have a different emotional manifestation. Lungs, for example, is grief or sadness. Liver is anger, frustration, and so on. And and my um, uh, book talks about how to use visualization and, and kind of Qigong, meditation type practices to understand this concept better and to be able to 
get in touch, connect with those, the energetic aspect of these organs. And the benefit would be bilateral or, or two-sided or two-pronged. Um, you can address the, the, any condition that these organs might have, um, or you can address emotional manifestation of these organs. That means if you have issues with anger and frustration, if you practice liver exercises, there are specific, specific exercises that I introduce. Uh, you are able to control your anxiety and, uh, sorry, your frustration and anger easier. And also if you have cirrhosis in your liver, if you have fatty liver disease, which is a very, very common condition these days. Uh, in fact, they're, they're finding a lot of people who are not necessarily overweight, but they have fatty liver. Uh, that also helps help uh, the physio physiology of your liver. So, sorry, I guess I lost track of your question. What was your question? My question was, how, how do you use visualization in your meditation practice? Okay, thanks. So, uh, yeah, it, basically, I um, encourage my patients to first use breathing to ground themselves with the aid of visualization. So it's use the power of breath uh, and visualize breath as a wave of energy, not necessarily just air that you inhale. And then um, start from there and go gradually to different le levels, different layers of, of visualization in terms of self-healing. So I guess I use it first to calm and ground my, my patients or my students, and then second, to teach them how to use it for uh, self-care and self-healing. I'm, I'm curious, and I, I want to maybe take us down another road. In your practice or in your technique, do you ever use elements of other sounds, um, whether that's in the room or um, during a meditative practice, or is it most of the time quiet? Uh, no, we, we do use, it could be either. It's usually patient preference, but most of the times um, we do have soothing sounds, um, uh, music of meditation and relaxation playing in the background. In most of our treatment rooms, we have uh, speakers that we use specifically for that reason. Because I, of course, you know, as, as a musician, I, I believe in the power of uh, audio waves. You know, I look at them as another uh, form of energy manifestation. I relate to sound, not just, um, you know, by my ears, but my whole entire being and body. And I let the vibration of, of energy, uh, sound waves, I look at them like energy waves, and I let them to vibrate my molecules. And I teach that concept to a lot of my patients. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. very powerful, it's a good tool. But there are people who, who prefer not to, you know, and I respect that. So it depends on the patient. Yeah, I'm curious, um, you coming back into music now and having been a musician before, um, can you talk about your journey through music and if at all, if it's connected to your meditative practices, and maybe even if you you feel that your music provides a meditative quality to people that you're putting out into the world. Um, well, my journey um, started 
um, a long time ago when I was a teenager myself, and and um, I sing. So I don't. Unfortunately, I don't play any instrument. My voice is my instrument, and but it was very uh, healing for me, and it was um, very therapeutic for me at a time. It was a way of um, releasing uh, a lot of emotional anxieties around me and a way of, of literally calming myself down by just singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, so I immediately started connecting with music uh, on a deeper level than just sounds that are exiting my mouth, basically. I look at them much uh, deeper and more therapeutic for myself personally and hopefully my audience. Um, Then when I came, and this happened when I was in Iran, I was a teenager. When I came to this country, I was 20 years old. That was 1985. And I I immediately went to music, uh, not just uh, as a source of uh, kind of relaxation, but also uh, communication and kind of being able to navigate my way as a new immigrant in this country. And uh, it became quite helpful in my journey personally and also opened a lot of doors for me. Um, and uh, I, was, I became a professional musician after a year or two. Uh, that means I, I was doing that full time basically. I, I was earning my living from you know, doing music and I was going to school at the same time. And I did, I lived in LA for, at that time for a few years. Um, then when I, gra- when I came back to Oregon and went to natural medical schools, I enrolled in two schools at the same time, naturopathic college for a homeopathy degree and, and Chinese medicine college for an acupuncture degree. I unfortunately uh, kind of became distracted and, and left music kind of shelved it, put it on the side. And, and the other reason for it is I was mesmerized by Chinese culture and medicine and by practicing Qigong and Tai Chi. I became a Tai Chi master. I started teaching Tai Chi. I really kind of got so deeply involved with the philosophy. I went to China for a while and this philosophy um, took a lot of my creative energy with it. Um, but I always you know, missed not doing music and I always knew one day I'll go back to it and uh, a couple of years ago and and, you know I did stuff from time to time I had friends that we played some music together but I never really did anything seriously until a year or two ago when I met uh, somebody who who was a fan of my music when he was a teenager and I was in my 20s and now he's one of the most famous musicians within our country and our music maestro really and he's a composer, producer, and he kind of talked me into going back to it. But now that I look back, at the time, you know, of course, nothing happens by accident. There's a reason behind everything. But at the time, I didn't realize that this is really happening because I need it more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and uh, now I know that it offered me, it, it reminded me of its immense power for my own healing and self-care and the therapeutic effect that it has for me personally. Yeah, it seems like it definitely served a purpose for you in a sense that when you had sort of in the in your teenage years in Iran, these anxieties, you kind of used it 
as a form of meditation before you knew what meditation even was. Yeah, and, and also to kind of finish your, your question, finish the answer to your question, we are now kind of naturally incorporating my teachings, my meditation background, my Qigong background, my book background. We are now incorporating all of those into our live performances. So we're talking about a tour in fall in the West, uh, a few cities in the West Coast. And the program that we are putting together is a combination of some chanting, some uh, relaxation, uh, introducing the whole concept of how to listen to music, basically to our audiences, how to go beyond your ears and how to feel music and let it be therapeutic for you. So it is definitely becoming a combination of my energy medicine background and my music background. That's, that's fantastic. See, Mag, do you think taking a step back from music for all those years was able, and, and, and being able to, to, to experience all the, di- all the different teachings, do, do you think like being able to come back to music it allowed you to to look at it through a, a, just a totally different perspective than say you had continued with music and and done that full time, and and not been able to you know go to China and do all the things that you that you did before that. Do you think now as a musician you are almost more capable of providing and and and, and um, I guess I guess inspiring like your listeners to just kind of like just understand like what what your life work was really about. Or is it, or, or do, do you kind of look back and say, hey, you know, I really wish I should have stuck with it, you know, when I was a kid, because I would have been so much better, you know? Or do you, that's a bit convoluted. Yeah, interesting question. And, um, you know, yes, there were, there were times in the past 20 years or so that I was away from music that I had, I asked that question of myself. And, and you know, from the professional perspective, obviously, if I stayed, because I, I, put together an album. I, I, I left music at the peak of my professional life. It was when my album was released that I worked very hard for, for two years. I had a band. We were, we were becoming popular, you know, in the, in the Persian market. Anyway, so, so I left it at the peak of my, uh, you know, musical um, uh, journey at the time, if you will. Um, and the reason I left it was because I wasn't happy. That was the main reason. Obviously, I came up here to go to school, but I wasn't really happy with the lifestyle I had as a musician. That lifestyle did not suit me. Um, and that was really the main reason that I left music at, at that time. Now, I have a different perspective, of course, not just because of years of you know meditation or practicing and learning Chinese medicine and and all of that but because I'm much older you know I'm in my early 50s now Uh, I was in my early 20s at the time Uh, so yes it is I'm relating to it differently it is serving me differently and I am utilizing it absolutely differently the music that I'm producing now is day and night compared to the music that I produced 30 years ago yeah, that's very interesting because in the beginning you were using music as a form of meditation, but then you kind of discovered these Chinese methods and were drawn to th- that style of um, techniques. And so you kind of went out of it 
and now that you're coming back into it, you're using it almost as an output. Uh, you mentioned that tour, which I think is a fantastic idea. And if you ever want to come to New York and bring that tour, we'd love to have you. <laughs> I'm sure that it would be very popular. I can I can just see that that the image that you painted in my mind, I think, was really powerful in terms of, I mean, having listened to your music before, um, I think that's a that's a really good idea. And what's interesting to me is coming into this out of the three of us, I think that I had the least ex- the least amount of experience in meditation. And I think that Nick has dabbled in it a little bit and Neil has dabbled, dabbled in it a little bit. But I was trying to think to myself what were times in my life or things that I did in my life where I experienced a mindset in which I envisioned meditation to be or what I heard it was from other people, which is that sort of clearing your mind. Um, One of them was cooking and the other one was listening to music that I really loved. And mostly revolving around like songs or albums that I'd heard before, especially on... uh, commutes or times where I was just getting somewhere. It allowed me a moment uh, almost to myself where I wasn't necessarily listening to the music or, or cooking the food for that matter, but I was sort of just allowing my mind to be clearer than it usually was, which I think is really interesting because that's kind of what got you into it. Uh, but now that I've, I've done it for three days, um, I've noticed very similar mindsets to the cooking and then listening to the music, just having done a few guided meditations through an app or just sitting calmly and trying to clear my mind for a second. Uh, yeah, it affects everything you do. You know, um, I guess um, back to your question about my music, definitely it's affecting my music because it's affecting everything I do in, in my life. Uh, I remember years ago, I was working with a, with a teacher, I was um, meditating actually, it was a retreat that we went to. And at that retreat, you know, after a couple of days, um, one of the, the friends, one of my friends, one of the students asked the teacher, what is your, when do you practice Qigong? It was a Qigong retreat. And Qigong is again a form of meditation. And he said, uh, I guess the question is when I'm not practicing it, you know. After a while, when you feel connected to that place within you, that source of uh, internal energy, it is always, you're tapped in, basically. You know, uh, it, you're connected while you're having a conversation with someone, um, if you're driving, if you're cooking, if you're listening to music, everything. And, and it really changes the color of your life. It helps... Um, enhance any experience that you have very naturally. That's why a lot of people who have issues with drug addiction actually use meditation as a way to come out of it, simply because it becomes really um, euphoric. It's an euphoric experience. After a while, you're looking forward to it, and uh, it changes uh, the way you relate to everything in life. Do you, see, Mike, do you think music has... I know, as especially as a vocalist, the message is paramount. Um, do you think meditation has has strengthened the messages in your music? Sure. Yes, definitely. Like like I was saying, it it 
affects everything I do. And, and that's why I say the music I do today is completely different than the music I did 30 years ago uh, because of that, because of the way I relate to the sounds that are coming out of my mouth. I relate to them a lot more as a wave of energy, not just necessary sounds, you know. Uh, and it definitely has affected, yes. I'm also curious if, uh, because I'm a musician as well, actually, and some of the experiences that you mentioned when you were first getting into music and kind of the relief, um, I experienced very much the same relief of anxiety that you were mentioning when I was getting into music. <clears throat> and very much in a similar way, especially the practice of music and the the repetition of it can put you into a bit of a meditative place. Uh, I would also say, though, that there are a lot of experiences that listeners have that can be meditative, depending maybe somewhat on the style of music. So this is a bit of an abstract question or a philosophical question, but music itself is kind of a uh, ambiguous art form. And I'm curious if there's an intersection in your mind between music as an art form and meditation as a practice. Uh, very good question. And absolutely. Definitely. I mean, you know, there are a lot of uh, practices that use music, especially drums. I'm sure you know as a musician uh, how important and how influential drums are in a lot of uh, meditation practices. And, and Sufis, you know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Sufism. Uh, Sufis have used uh, a form of hand drum. It's a big, round hand drum. They have used it for centuries to practice meditation. Uh, they use movement, which is dancing, basically. They use dancing, rhythmic movements, to practice meditation. Uh, so uh, rhythm, in general, it makes us meditative. It takes us, it brings us, it releases serotonin in our bodies chemically, and it within minutes uh, calms us down and it puts us in that zone, if you will, the meditative zone. So yes, absolutely. It's very intertwined, you know, music, rhythm, and meditation. Cool. And uh, as a bit of a follow-up, um, that sounds like a simple way or maybe an easier way to get into that frame of mind. I'm curious if you could tell maybe just the regular layperson that knows nothing of meditation, perhaps like the easiest, maybe one to two steps to get into it as a practice, whether that maybe is a breathing exercise or something simple that someone could add to their daily routine that would kind of be a good introduction. Uh, so for someone who's new, um, like anything else, right? You know, like if, if you want to learn how to ski, if you want to learn how to do yoga, it's always better to have a coach. It's better to have a teacher. It's better to follow a system, right? So for someone who is new to meditation, guided meditation probably is the, the best way to go. To, and there's so many resources, fortunately. I mean, um, there is a fantastic marriage between technology and mindfulness that is happening in the last several years. As you mentioned, there are apps and there's websites and there's numerous, numerous resources out there, usually with free of charge. Actually, my website is free of charge. And on the website, I have 
guided visualization, um, you know, uh, audio and video guided visualization uh, that people can follow for meditation. So guided visualization would be the easiest way for, for a lay person, for someone who's just beginning to do meditation to enter it uh, and get into it. Awesome. Thank you. Sorry, I just wanted to say, um, as, just like as somebody who's like starting out, why do you think it's beneficial for somebody like me to, to take time out of their day to meditate? Uh, well, I don't know you, <laughs> so it would be hard for me to say why it's going to be helpful for you. But uh, all the jokes aside, um, it is helpful for everyone because... Um, one of you actually mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about this, I think you referred to it as a natural state of being. So uh, this state of, of being calm, being grounded, uh, and I believe that, I believe that's true. It is our natural way of being. Uh, anxiety is really not, it's a tool, right? It's a tool that our body uses to fight or to survive but it's not a natural state, right? Like depression is not a natural state. Anger is not a natural. That By natural, I mean permanently being in that state, right? Mm -hmm. So um, therefore, I would, I'm sure it would help someone like you or anyone because it reinforces these uh, parasympathetic activities within your body, therefore keeps you grounded no matter what you do. Ultimately, uh, our reactions to things creates our reality, right? We, we, two people go through the same experience. The way they react to that experience changes their destiny completely. So when you react to your life, when you come from a place of calmness, when you're more grounded, your reaction changes to events that are happening outside of you. And, and it makes your, your reactions um, much more meaningful, more powerful, more in control by you. You don't feel like you have no control over what's happening because you are definitely more in touch with the reality when you're in that state. Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's like your, your, your perception of reality is based around not only other people's reactions but the the one thing that you do have control over in your reality I, I would say is probably the way that you respond mm -hmm. in life and the way that you respond to uh, confrontation or uh, humor or anything else in life um, so I think maybe and I think that I can already see the benefits of doing meditation long term in that if it is going to quiet my anxiety and make me feel more grounded, um, I'm going to have more control over that, over the way that I do respond to, to situations and hopefully approach them with a calmer, uh, more thought out approach. I would say at that point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one, one more thing that I like to add here. Uh, I, I say that to a lot of my patients don't feel limited to, to one style of meditation and don't feel, don't look at meditation like exercise or, or things like that because unfortunately we all us, all of us humans have a tendency of getting into something 
do it on a regular basis, be really good at it, and then uh, if, you, if you travel or something happens and we are away for a few days, you know, we don't repeat it anymore. I think the relationship, the relationship you want to have with meditation is much more flexible and, and therefore breathing is the most powerful tool for meditation. That, because you can breathe, you can find a quiet corner, close your eyes and breathe for 10 times deep take 10 deep breaths and that's it that is a meditation you know so you don't necessarily have to uh light candles and and go to a dark room and, and so on you can as as long as you can create that internal experience for yourself you are meditating and that's the connection you need to have throughout your day throughout your life don't lose contact lose connection with that part of you does that make sense yeah absolutely it's it's funny because I I'm uh, I am an Apple Watch owner. Not to plug the Apple Watch, but it 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 does this thing where every day it vibrates and and tells you to breathe. Uh, and you know what's funny is like before this, most of the time I ignored it. I would look at it and I would be at work or I would just be like running around, uh, you know, on the subway, and I'd be like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I'm not gonna breathe. I can't, I can't, I can't, can't breathe. breathe here. <laughs> I can't do that. Not enough time. <laughs> all three of us. Yeah. All three of us live in live here in New York City, which is a very uh, sensory overload city, I would say, and I think probably one of the cities in in this country that needs meditation the most. <laughs> I was gonna say that, yeah. When I moved here, it immediately changed my uh, my stress levels. It's uh, and they haven't gone back down since I moved here. Yeah, no, it, and so therefore, more reasons for you to be able to be flexible with your meditation habits. Just breathing is the most powerful tool that we all have, um, and yeah. and yeah, just use that in a subway or wherever you are. You know. So there's a there's a one more thing I would like to talk about before we start wrapping up, but I I think that um, knowing so we're going into this this challenge for, for the next um, you know thirty days for the next uh, month of this uh, month of March. Um, do you have any advice for us in terms of uh, either techniques we should try out or? Uh, over the weeks increasing the amount of time that we meditate or if there's anything we should necessarily focus on um, to kind of build up build upon the last week I would say in meditation what are you guys doing now all three of you doing the same thing the, 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 the podcast is being broken down into two parts the first part is an introduction to meditation and over the course of 30 days, we're going to meditate once or twice every day. And at the end of the month, we're going to do a follow-up episode and talk about what we've learned and what it means to, to meditate on a daily basis. And basically just become, you know, add, add, um, see, see what the, the real benefits of, of, of meditating are. And, and just, I guess what we're trying to figure out is what are, what should we choose to, to, what should we expect, you know, over the course of 30 days or like, what's the best way to gain as much from this experience as possible? I guess my, my question was, what techniques do you use? How are you meditating? Yes. Cur currently, um, 
I am using a guided meditation app and uh, I've been going through sort of like the, I started two days ago with the sort of the basics of meditation and then they had um, uh, a sleep meditation as well that I, that I tried out, which was really interesting. But today actually I tried uh, a non-guided and I sat for three minutes and basically grounded hands on my hands in my lap i didn't have a mantra necessarily but i just tried to as thoughts came in to just immediately clear my mind and let them go and just tried to i it was more of an exercise in like mental rigidity at that point okay so you guys are doing different styles of meditation but you're definitely committed to do it every day and how, how long of a session each time? My first session was 15 minutes. Uh, Brian's, Brian's been doing what? You've been doing five, three minutes? Yeah, about five, five. five minute sessions. So um, you are planning to do this for a month. So my r suggestion is to start to be more mindful of its effect on you towards the end of the month. So, and and I, that might come naturally, but by that I mean, if you are having a conversation with, with someone or, or maybe even an argument or a heated conversation with someone, during that time, at that moment, try to remind yourself, remember the power of breathing and remember how you feel when you meditate. Try to have that image in your mind and take a couple of breaths or just one breath in the middle of it and find yourself completely in a different space and find your reactions completely changing and find that changes the whole synergy between the two of you. Therefore, the whole experience changes. So bring meditation into your everyday life and, and things that you do into your in your life, not just limited to those five or 10 minutes every day uh, and use its power in every moment or every experience you're going through. I think that's great advice. Um, I like that approach also because it, it is a constant reminder when you encounter everyday things or decisions that you can bring back. Oh, I re that's right. I meditated today or, um, this is ha this uh, this I know is a direct correlation because of the fact that I meditated today. Well, yeah, and it's a real commitment to to the thirty days. It's not just three minutes a day. It's it's the entire third every minute of every day. You right. Know, it's a every reminder. Waking. Yeah. As opposed to just like scheduling. Yeah. As opposed to just like scheduling it up. Oh, here I'm going to meditate, and then I'm going to forget about it's it. It's a lifestyle, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole that's the whole point of it. It's, it's supposed to become a lifestyle. Yeah. state of mind and that way it's not just a chore so you don't have a checkbox and say okay i meditated today so i can go kill someone <laughs> love that's, that's where your mind goes i love it <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's, it's not it, you don't for, you don't forget about it at that point and it becomes i think it, i think it's easier to build a habit that way too when you when you're looking at the successes that you have as opposed to oh this is a chore that i have to do Exactly. And the other thing you may notice is others around you, people who are close to you may make an observation uh, about how you are, how you've changed. 
and the way how you're going through your life or how you're responding to events. So you may hear things uh, that happened to me, you know, when I first started meditating, my parents were the first ones who noticed um, me changing, you know, much calmer, less angry teenager. And with that, we can start to wrap up uh, CMAC, but I do want to give you a chance. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on. I, I'm actually really excited for our second conversation at the end of the month, uh, coming back and, and seeing the progress that, that we've made and maybe the insight that we've gained from your uh, wisdom you've delivered to us today. But I want to give you a chance to, to let our listeners know where they can find you, if they can get in contact with you. I know that we have people uh, listening from Portland, from Oregon, um, and where they can read your book. Um, so if you want to go ahead and just um, tell the people what you have going on. Sure. I appreciate that. Um, well, there are actually um, two or three different websites that um, I uh, have to uh, kind of, it introduces different things that I do. And, and when I say unfortunately, because uh, ideally I want to bring them all under one umbrella, but that hasn't happened yet. So uh, for my book, uh, the website to go to is e-shirazi, S-H-I-R-A-Z-I.com. And E stands for energy. So e-shirazi.com gets you to my book. For my music, it's actually easiest. It's my first and last name.com, siamakshirazi.com, S-I-A-M-A-K-S-H-I-R-A-Z-I.com. And for my um, wellness uh, kind of medicine, wellness-based medicine um, venture, which, which are clinics and I also do consulting. It, it is todowell.com. So it's number two, D-O-W-E-L-L.com. That's fantastic. It's obvious that you have so much going on in your life and you're, you're so willing to deliver this wisdom to, to people through multiple mediums, which I respect so much. And I'm so happy that I, uh, that I was connected with you. Shout out to uh, Natasha for connecting us. Um, I just thank you again for taking the time to speak with us about this very important thing that we, we need to be knowing about and understanding in life. Sure, my pleasure. And I just want to say one more thing. The Tehran music video was awesome. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't, we really enjoyed if you haven't seen Tehran. it, please, please go check you out CMX music. It's, okay. it's uh, it's incredible. It's really nice. Cool. Thank. You, uh, you know, we are uh, we we have three music videos on on my site, and two of them have uh, subtitles. Tehran doesn't have subtitles yet, but subtitles are coming. So in a week or two, oh, there will be so you can understand what I'm saying as well. I love that. Um, so please go check out uh, Mac and his work. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. We'll speak to you at the end of the month. And uh, thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you. Thank All you, right. Dr. Shrozzi. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Damn, that dude was fucking cool. Holy shit. That dude was sick. That dude was so cool. God damn dude. it. High value. Peace out. Podcast. Nick. What's the last word? Last word is Tehran.